Hey, I hope I don't sound too echoey tonight. I've got the 3D printer running nonstop, and then I realized, nice. have you know, halfway into the job, that it's occupying my normal recording space. Oh yeah, yep. I know, I know those pains. I can also not run my 3D printer at the same time. What are you 3D printing, if I might ask? I was just about to ask you the same thing. Oh, I'm not. I'm not 3D printing anything right now, sadly. Well, the the fellow I was going to talk about. Let me look him up on. I'll have to look him up on GitHub here, but um, so I've talked about this project in the past, which I kind of got off the ground through the podcast and then expanded upon through grants and exhibitions and stuff. But you know, this project where I'm sending a TV down a uh, computer-controlled racetrack. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to start big on that one for reasons I'm still not totally clear on. <laughs> so I started out with this huge TV I'd found in the trash, and then the TV crapped out again, blah, blah, blah. So now I'm going back and rebuilding the slider so it's a lot more usable. Also because I think I'd had fantasies about like making a life-size body hang in a in a space that would then register in the photograph. Ooh. But as it turns out, I needed a really, really dark environment because of how long my exposure was. Right, right. So I hope to one day make something that I can put into, you know, like an outdoor environment at night and capture. But in the meantime, I'm just going to rebuild it so it's about three feet long and just slides an iPad back and forth. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, much simpler. So I found this fellow while we're talking. I'll get his details off of GitHub. I believe he's a a British guy. He was working on this computer-controlled camera slider. That's pretty rad. You're supposed to put a DSLR in, and then it can pan and tilt um, as well as slide back and forth, although maybe that's the panning part. Anyway, it's got three axes of control, one linear and two rotational, and it looks like a really cool project, so I'm just using the first part just to sort of steal... Uh, the linear rail control aspect. Right, yeah, that's a good idea. So it's based on 8020, you know, that aluminum extrusion stuff? Yeah, it's such a weird, interesting shape. I've never used it, but I have seen pictures of it on like McMaster car. (laughs) Oh, you got to try it out. Yeah, as it turns out, McMaster is one of the cheaper vendors if you compare it to Amazon, Uh uh, which is pretty uncommon. Usually McMaster, if you're buying aluminum and stuff in its raw form, it's way too expensive. Yeah. But I guess this stuff, for whatever reason happens to be one of the loss leaders for them, I guess. Weird. That's really interesting. For a while, there was this company selling customized desks made out of 8020s. Mm-hmm. They would kind of pre-cut all the pieces for you based on your... There was a sort of CAD light tool on their website, and you could like be like, I want it to be this high. I want these shelves. You, know, you could sort of configure your own desk, and then they would like ship you flat pack all the 8020. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a really good idea, but I, I didn't go for it because it was pretty expensive. It's kind of one of those things that's like a cool use for 8020, but then you kind of also think like about possibility, like, oh, you could attach anything at any position here and like you're just making a desk with it, which feels sad. <laughs> I don't know, you know, unless there was lots of accoutrements for it or something. It's definitely not the right use for it. Yeah. 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 I, re- I remember talking to a guy. Um, I can't remember if he was taking a tour of a machine shop or what it was, but he described one of these milling stations that they had. And so you know how you have to... Every time you have a new job, you need to come up with a new sort of fixture arrangement mm. to hold everything down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And usually you've got machinist vices and all that kind of thing. But he said in this shop, they just went through so much stock that they would just take like a billet of aluminum and stick it down there and then just tap it wherever they wanted. And that would just be their temporary fixture for that day's job. And then they just throw it in the recycler afterwards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you kind of get used to working at an artist's scale, right? And then you realize, you know, in 
yeah. in industrial scale. I yep. mean, the stuff that we scrimp and save for gets used up in 13 seconds and thrown in the trash. Yeah. Some bean counter somewhere has determined that, you know, it's it's healthcare that's the big <laughs> limiting factor <laughs> or whatever as opposed to, yeah, some $13 hunk of metal. Oh, my God, Reb, we're straying towards politics. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Stay away. Sorry. I felt so weird for the last couple of days, which we can talk about if you want. But the guy I was thinking of is Isaac879. And that's I-S-A-A-C-879. So he's got plants up on GitHub. Aspects of them are really well documented. And then other parts of it, like any project, you know, clearly he's got more in his mind than on the repo. So I've got some mucking around to do to figure out how to use it for myself. Isaac879. Well, I'm getting lots of really interesting results. Google. Oh, it's specifically on GitHub. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, cool. Oh, I guess there's a game called The Binding of Isaac. Oh, you've never heard of that? No. It's one I haven't played, but it's gotten a lot of attention over time. Wow, that's cool. Is it a good game? Oh, you haven't played it, yeah. I don't I don't know a lot about it. I, I, I have a student named uh, Thor, who I may have talked about before, who's now off... <laughs> Yeah, pretty badass name, right? So he is working in the 3D printing and fabrication space. I'll see if I can find him. He did a really incredible job of making pixel art versions of all the Binding of Isaac characters, and he was kind of like internet famous for 15 seconds uh, because of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was curious to see what he gets up to next. He's been doing a lot of stuff with 3D filters in uh, Instagram. Yeah, he's doing great. Oh, that's cool. I feel like it's so strange... The past, maybe over the past 10 years, mm -hmm. I don't know how much popular culture, God, I don't even know how to say it. I mean, I might've drawn like a character from a cartoon I liked on my folder in school or something, you know, like, right. yeah. but now it's like everywhere. There's this whole kind of trafficking of references through all these just different approaches, you know, like cosplaying or. Uh, making things on a 3D printer. Like, it's like all, just all these different ways to... I made like t-shirts of bands I liked, you know, in high school or something. Um, and maybe that's the same thing. But... Uh, like a good like a good punk rocker. Yeah. I couldn't afford like a Dead Kennedys t-shirt or I couldn't find one without mail ordering it. And I didn't have a check or money order or whatever it was at the time. <laughs> so I just made one with like puff paint. Oh, I was going to ask if it was with the uh, bleach. Oh, you went with puff paint. Not bad. See, that's that's punks in Florida for you. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Your neon headband. Puff paint was my ninth grade, was my eighth going into ninth grade attempt. I made a dead milkman eat your paisley t-shirt with puff paint. It was pretty dope. Well done. I was pretty happy about that one. Do you still have it? Oh, Lord, no. You know, that would be a fun one to revisit. Oh, Rob, totally. You got to make a new band t-shirt. Yeah. Damn, I think you just gave me a really interesting idea, Taylor. So we have an outstanding prompt for ourselves. A couple of them. Yeah, based on, oh my gosh, Taylor, I've forgotten her name. Lydia Cam Cambrone, I think is her last name. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't happy with what I made. But now, Taylor, this is, oh my gosh, Taylor, there's so much happening right now. So making your own punk rock t-shirt really overlaps in a more interesting way, I feel like, than the thing I made inspired by what she's doing which is in some ways doing the same thing which is she's sort of repurposing her home and housewares yeah to fit this aesthetic created by a movie director oh my gosh taylor wow it's blowing my mind right now okay 
<laughs> this is totally tapping into a thing that I feel like is so slept on, but it's so important. I fight this every day. I fight this fight every day and lose, which is talking about it with somebody else is often so fruitful. Mm-hmm. And I don't do it enough. In one second, it was like, oh, there it is. Like I just, the two synapses went. I do do this for a job, my friend. Yes. And you of all people <laughs> are. Yes, exactly. I'm just saying, don't be too surprised. Yeah. Taylor. You've given me an idea. <laughs> you beautiful idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I no. <laughs> Oh, I'm not I'm just kidding around, man. Yeah. Well, cuz it's also we're recording at night tonight. That's true. Cuz Rob, I've missed talking to you. We've been cramming our conversations into the lunchtime hour. It's true, yeah. Which makes them more efficient and less uh wiggly. Yes. I find. Very, very true. Yeah. Mm. But you got but you got big stuff to do over there at JPL, man. I'm just dicking around talking about my belly button. <laughs> well, and like ideating with making students' creativity grow and blossom. Yeah, try All sorts of stuff. Hey, um, it, oh, no, go ahead. I didn't want to cut you off, though, celebrating your epiphanaic moment. <laughs> no, it's just epiphanaic moments are so powerful and so great. And I think they're hard to come by also, right? I think especially now where people aren't feeling so great and things are all whacked out, it's even harder than ever to get an epiphanic, epiphanic, epi, what do we call it? I just made that shit up, man. I don't know. <laughs> epiphanic moment. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm really glad that happened. All joking aside, talking to somebody else, it's still all your idea. Yeah, sure. It's productive for everybody. I, I feel like I can't do anything outside of a collaborative environment. I kind of gave up making art by myself. Yeah. It's like, who wants to do that? That's boring. Yeah, you've been deeply collaborating with lots of folks. Trying to. Yeah. What do you think is the reason? How does that feel like powerful to you or feel good for you? I mean, I don't know if I've talked about it on here before, but you know, I think a lot of us get into art making. We've got some kind of like essential interest in making stuff. I mean, there's that drive. Yeah. But I think relatively quickly, unless you're a, a Henry Darger or some kind of, you know, unusual character, the main reason you want to do it is because you're trying to communicate and you want other people. I mean, some people just have the base need to be appreciated or whatever. I'm more interested with putting it out there and it being the seed for a conversation that I have with a cool person. Yeah. You know, sure. This podcast does that in a very literal sense. Mm hmm. And then I've been going back and forth to Kentucky, right? It's a weird time to be going back and forth to Louisville for sure mm. uh, with Brianna Taylor. But my uh, uh, mother-in-law lives there. And so we're trying to, you know, do the childcare thing and split up time. Yeah. And so I was driving back in the car by myself because I was coming back to teach a class. And then Matt Steinke, noted techno musician, or rather I should say, you know, new media technology associated also musician, whatever. And previous guest on the podcast. Yeah, so so he had called me and just wanted to ask me some question about you know, who knows what, some kind of coding thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we talked for like 90 minutes just about everything while I was driving down the highway. And then after we got off the phone, I just thought like, that's what it's all about. You know, that was the whole point of doing this whole thing is to have the conversation about making the thing, not even because the thing's already made. So yeah, I guess at the end of the day, if you're an atheist like me, I mean, what else is there but positive human relationships? That's kind of the whole point. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I'm really digging Matt's current work. Dang, it's good. I love it. Yeah. Before COVID hit, he was really starting to get his grant game together. So mm. he was talking to me about that. 
and starting to feel more confident that he knew he had a somewhat regular grant income. That's great. Yeah. And I think he's moved into Raspberry Pi for a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people talking about that right now. So I'll have to call him and ask him what we talked about. I mean, I was trying to concentrate on driving too. Yeah, yeah, right. So I'm having trouble pulling, you know, some of the discreet nuggets out. He's just in a cool place. He's also a really generous laugher, Rob, just like you. Uh Uh-huh. I love talking to generous laughers. (laughs) They're the best. I just like fulfilled my own stereotype. I just laughed. It's a good thing. Yeah. Matt Sankey is is an amazing musician, amazing illustrator, and amazing maker of 3D objects. Like his, his... Animator? Yeah. He just is the whole package. He's a cool dude. Totally. And he did this drawing that I so deeply remember and think about all the time, which oh, was... I bet I even know the exact one. Oh, oh say it, say it, and, uh, and we'll see if it's the one. Well, there's two options. So one of them is a drawing of a rover, but I don't think that's the oh, one. Oh, no, uh-uh. The other one is a bunch of doctors leaning over an exam table. Yes. <laughs> That's so good. I, I, was, I think I was talking to him about that exact same drawing when I was on the drive. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that weirds the image out in this deep way. Yeah. It's like a dream where I can only, re- I remember the experience of looking at it as much as I remember the details of the image. You know, like mm. I, I remember as much of the feeling I felt when I saw the image as I do the specific colors and stuff of the image. But it's like, I feel like they're alien doctors or something. Yeah, it's haunting. It's a haunting image. Maybe we can find it on our last mat and we'll see if we can get in the... I think the title is like, Let's Stay Together or (laughs) something like that. Like it's something about relationships and I believe that... Even better. I think you might have done it in encaustic or as a Mm -hmm. wash or... Yeah, it has wax on it. So the doctors are kind of faceless and then... Yep. But their hands are all over the patient. There's many of them. Yes. Yeah, hopefully he'll have a picture of it. We can pop it into the feed. Yeah, that's really great. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you knew. You were like, oh, I know. I know what the end (laughs) is. Yeah. He was in the studio next to me in grad school, so I spent a lot of time talking to him and looking at his work. Mm. But I I think that piece was in a show he was in a dead tech. It was, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that one really made an impression. It's always nice to know when... You know, somebody who you share a lot of thoughts with, but not, we're not totally in lockstep, you and me, Mm -hmm. but just, yeah, we do exactly what the other was talking about. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Good image. Anyway, what else is going on, Taylor? Anything good? So I'm doing these online classes and that's been kind of interesting. I feel like in some of my classes, I'm teaching way better than I ever had before Uh because I just had to spend all summer, you know, recording lectures and getting my game buttoned up. So I'm teaching this web class, and the final project is due on Tuesday, where they have to make like an animated graphic entirely out of uh, pure CSS and divs. Oh, cool. It's hard. Yeah, I kind of like processing. When I used to teach processing, I'd do a similar assignment. I think Chris Riley would teach it too. It was interesting. At the end of my last class, they have to watch my recorded lectures for homework, and their notes get graded. So if they take, you know, kind of so-so notes, I give them half credit. And then when they get into class, they just have that four-hour period to get the practical example done. Oh, uh-huh. So trying to make sure that they actually come to class and, you know, get stuff done. And I mean, some students, like, they turn it in the second class starts, and then they just go. And then other students stick around with me for the full four hours. Uh-huh. But in this last class, two separate students said on the, you know, public audio channel, 
I just really want to thank you for spending all this time with me. And I just appreciate your teachings <laughs> so much. Like I never get that, you know, when they have to be face to face with you. So that was really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, for sure. How are you dealing with teaching? Are you on Zoom? Is it pre-recorded? Like what's the format these days? We had two weeks where it was 100% online so that people coming from other states could quarantine in the dorms for two weeks. And then they all the dorms are now singles. Uh, so some people just have huge dorm rooms. And then my first time on campus wasn't until last Friday. I had my first in-person class, but I can only have eight of the 24 students there at a time. So they're all split into three groups and they have to rotate through. So they effectively just see me like once a month for just a couple months and then the class is over. I feel like I have a lot of personality to share, but there's just so many impediments like the masks and the staying distant and so forth. It all makes it feel a little Sisyphean. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're doing all right. I mean, tonight I'm feeling kind of under the weather and I'm just trying to figure, is that just being tired or should I cancel class tomorrow? And you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, how about you? Because you guys, uh, you all went back um, to JPL pretty early, right, for in-person work? It was been pretty interesting here. Some people on lab have to be there because, you know, if you're putting together a spacecraft, you can't do that from home <laughs> or like running a physics lab or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. But it's very, very, very minimal. I mean, there's, JPL is quite big. There's like 6,000 people there or something. I've heard there's, you know, roughly 600, so maybe 10% of the people, you know, of, of humans are on, but they're different people at different times. But then the freaking fires and stuff started. And then so even those people couldn't come because the smoke was so bad and stuff. So right, it's been a one thing after another over here. And Jeez, I haven't even checked in with you about the fires. There have been days when we can we get bad air quality here in Chicago because of that stuff. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there was crazy two two weeks where it was definitely like not safe to bike outside. Or like not healthy. I mean, you, you could do it. But I mean, I, I did it one day because I was like, I just got a bike. I don't know. I, I felt weird about it, but I was like, I'm just going to bike. I'm going to wear two masks. And I definitely felt gross. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I shouldn't do this. So I just turned around and went home. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, this is so funny. The only thing that's really happened is the wind has changed direction. So now Northeast LA is not getting all the smoke it was getting. And everyone's like, oh, the fires are over. But it's like, I don't think they actually are. Their containment target date was the end of October for one of those fires, which is huge. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think they've been happy with how things have been going, but it's certainly you know, it's not over, over. Yeah. I may have missed my window to move to the West Coast. Maybe you'll be coming towards me before too long. Uh, <laughs> as long as things keep burning, we're going to try to get as much smoke into the jet stream as possible. And so you can yeah. enjoy the... Share the love. Yeah. It's like avocados, you know, like not many people had avocados 30 years ago, but they gradually sort of found their way into the larger food industrial complex so maybe the smoke industrial complex is the next hipsters man i was thinking the other day that like the covid growth has been sort of like like hipsterism you know starts in new york san francisco you know these places (laughs) and then like gradually people from smaller towns backlash and are like i'm not i'm not that's a bunch of bullshit you know and then all of a sudden now it shows up in your town and next thing you know you're wearing like tight pants and stuff so my Man bun is man bunning itself as we speak. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do you cut your own hair, Taylor? You've had a number of really great haircuts. Oh, thank you. I haven't cut my hair in a long time. Yeah, it's getting pretty big right now, for sure. Mm-hmm. I bet. Big enough you can pull it back, I guess. So that's that's saying something. Not, not quite. I mean, it used to be like that. Uh-huh. And then I, uh, I went out to LinkedIn to record a video at some point, and they took a bio picture of me 
which I, for some reason, just wore an undershirt to, and that was it. Uh-huh. I have a couple of inescapable pictures on the internet now that I I would be happy not to have. Although, um, I did just apply to get my uh, Facebook check. Did you hear about this thing in Illinois? No. Yeah, so apparently Facebook broke some kind of law in Illinois about collecting biometric data for face capture, facial recognition. Ooh. I applied to be part of the lawsuit and apparently it pays between 400 and 600 bucks i'm used to those things paying you like 12 dollars or something yeah right you get like a random check in the mail for two dollars and 13 cents from some law firm you've never heard of and it's like Ugh. yeah and I've, I've never really bothered in the past even though i recognize that the only thing that gives those class action lawsuits teeth is if everybody applies because that's otherwise I, I think the money just goes back to the company i see but i could be wrong yeah i've always heard dubious things about those things too where in agreeing to cash the check, you can never sue Facebook over anything else or whoever, whatever the company, the offending company is. Like you sort of write yourself out of any future litigation or something. I mean, I have no doubt it's the case for this this current one, but you may be right. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. Figure I, I may as well get a couple bucks on the way down. Uh-huh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, I have another art person. Excellent. Let's hear it. It's someone who you probably no maybe no mm-hmm. chicago person liz mason do you know who liz is oh i'm not sure let's look up her work oh yeah cool if you go to her homepage on her website you'll see a picture of her which may allow you to put a face to a name oh i, I just see a picture of a monkey <laughs> oh oh yeah yeah click on uh her name and you'll you'll go to her about page or bio or whatever it is wow she looks a lot like uh jen hoffer yeah she does have a jen hoffer look it's funny yeah yeah, I never thought about that until just until you, as soon as you're about to say it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Liz Mason is someone I have known for damn near 25 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really, or longer, even longer. Oh, uh, it's so anyway. Oh, wait, Rob, before you yes. go on, wait, mm-hmm. did, are you 48 or you're younger 47, than that? 47, 8. I don't know, 47. Only months younger than somebody that's about to be appointed to the Supreme Court. I know. What do you think about that? that I, didn't, I didn't mean to derail it, but it's just totally separate from the politics. It's it's wild to be of equivalent age to these people. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what to make about that. Yeah. I could be the father of like a professional NFL football player. <laughs> you know, or something like still that. still can. You could adopt. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's funny, right? It's like, whoa, that's really weird. I wouldn't trust. I, I feel like for a while there, I was about to say wouldn't, but it's more complicated than that. For a while, I felt like I want an older doctor because I want somebody that has experience. Mm-hmm. But then now that I'm getting older and I've had older doctors, I realized, oh, well, they just stopped being interested in reading 20 years ago. And now I want the doctors that are younger than me because uh-huh. like the training is closer. I guess there's a sweet spot. Yeah. Doctors especially, I feel like it's very hard to vet them like i've had doctors that have terrible bedside manner but i'm like i think this doctor is actually really good like their analysis of the situation you know like oh i think they're good even though Mm -hmm. i almost actively dislike them like they're i think they're good where other ones i had this like really bad cough for weeks Mm -hmm. and i had a doctor who just like kind of laughed at me and i was like (laughs) i was like i don't I come to the doctor every few years. Like, right. like I wouldn't be here if I didn't really think this was. A... <laughs> you don't understand how important this is, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And did he fix you up? No. Or did he just tell you to get lost? No, he just told me to get lost. And I was really annoyed. I was like, man, really? Like, What happened to your cuff? I mean, it went away, but it went away like two and a half months later, you know? Wow. And so the thing that bothered me is his lack of curiosity. I think mm. it would have been one thing to be like, I don't think you have anything, but let's talk about... He just didn't really ask me any questions that made me think he really wanted to know anymore, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Where if he'd said something like, it shows here you don't have a history of asthma, but, you know, let's talk about that. Or I don't know, like he just didn't, he wrote me off quick. I get it, you know. I know some people who work at Kaiser and places like that, and they're like, I don't know what you call it, caseload? It's not, that's not the right word, but like just how many patients they have and stuff is. I think it'd be caseload, yeah. Insane, you know, like, and you really realize like, oh, I'm one of hundreds possibly you know and in a capitalist system the idea is supposed to be you're going to them for a service if they offer a service in a way you don't like then you take your business elsewhere yeah but if you're scared for your life i mean it's not exactly the right time to be you know getting multiple bids yeah (laughs) it's not like getting a patio put in yeah and if all of those places are focusing on scale rather than quality yeah right it seems yeah yeah I, I've read that it's actually cheaper in some cases to fly to Mexico, to fly your doctor to Mexico, oh my gosh. to rent out an operating theater, mm-hmm. and then just to pay him cash than to do than to get that procedure in the U.S. through insurance. Like even just your deductible and all that stuff. Wow. Okay, so Liz Mason. Yeah, that's intense. Medical tourism. <laughs> Liz Mason. Yeah. Here's how I met Liz Mason. Mm-hmm. I was a radio DJ at WZRD in Chicago. And the first way I met Liz was Liz had a radio show on before mine. So as part of a radio DJ, you sort of have to get there before your time slot starts because you, A, you have to like make a smooth shift, right, from mm-hmm. one DJ to another. It's not that hard. You just put on a song and then you switch over. But like you got to be there a little early. Plus, you might want to pick your music. You know, there's things you want to do. You have to sign the notebook. You know, you just have to do stuff. So we always, you know, chatted or whatever through this thing that we both did. And then Liz has worked for quite some time at Quimby's Bookstore, which is one of my favorite places in Chicago, Mm -hmm. and has worked there for quite some time, and then became partners with somebody who I know as well. Joe is her partner in crime. I think they're married. So then I know her now through this other person that I know. So I've just been a fan of her work, and I end up talking to Liz once every few years at the most. I always have just thought her work was really great. She's a zine maker, Mm -hmm. and she has written this zine called Caboose forever. Let's see, yeah. and Oh, and she did Cul-de-Sac before that. So Cul-de-Sac was the first zine I ever saw of hers, and that was from 97 to 2001. So that overlaps right with the time. And then she started Caboose in 2002, and Caboose has been going on for a really long time. This is a person, you know, like if you write down your inspirations and this sort of thing, like Liz and I probably have almost zero overlap, you know, like Mm. if you wrote down, like, would this person's work speak to me? Like if you just thought through like aesthetic choices, inspirations, blah, blah, blah. But like, I love her work and it like really is a fun journey into just things that I don't normally think about or I don't know what, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's really fun and cool. So if you go to LizMasonIsAwesome.com, people can see her work. I'm disappointed to find under writing samples that this link does not work. The link is called Script for the National Public Satanic Thrash Metal Radio Pledge Drive. Oh. Which I would really love to read, but it looks like it moved somewhere off Google Drive. I will contact Liz. Yeah. And we'll see if we can get it. 
Let's see if I can find, oh no, I'm experiencing the same problem. Google Drive links. Yeah, we'll let her know. Maybe it'll help her out. Yes, we'll get that squared away if we can. The thing I wanted to share with you, let's see if I can find it. Shoot, I thought I bookmarked it. Taylor, in Chicago, did you, this is a side note. This is the mm-hmm. only thing I was looking for. Did you ever check out any of those things called the Quarantine Times? It was a Chicago project. I know of Quarantine that yes. Mark Fisher was putting out. I think there's some overlap. I think they're different projects, but I think there's overlap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Quarantine was cool. Okay. Oh, Liz has an Etsy store. That's great. So we'll link to that. Maybe that's where all the Google stuff moved. That might be. I'm really jealous of writers and painters and people like that, you know, where they sort of, they know what their materials are going to be. Like the the way that you can kind of write anywhere and on anything. I feel like one of the downsides of our approach to art making is so much specific crap has to be in place in order to even get started. Yes, it's very true. I'm going to put a pin in what I was going to say. I'll send you a link mm-hmm. to the thing I wanted to share about Liz's work. So Liz has a a zine series called Awesome Things, and that was the thing I thought would be a fun kind of creative prompt Mm -hmm. for us to think about, which is this idea of awesome things and then also zine making. So anyway, that's what I wanted to share about Liz's work. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, one of these days, hopefully we'll have gotten back to reality enough that we can start to bring more creative projects back on the podcast. But man, let me tell you, we're just limping along, aren't we? Yeah, we are. It's tough. Deep in the weeds of creative desert. I guess there is no weeds in the creative desert. Oh, the thing I was going to put a pin in that now I want to come back to. And now I forgot what it is. Taylor. No, no. I've lost my mind. Come on back. Oh, I'm back. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay, so do you know any of the Marie Kondo stuff? I'm only tangentially aware of it. Yeah. I I think I tried folding shirts like she does, but it, it didn't do it for me. Okay. Yeah. So I've hitched my wagon to a different wagon train. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's the right metaphor. Rob, oh, is this gonna is this gonna be dust related? It is dust related. <laughs> Fans of the podcast know that I was obsessed and still am obsessed with dusting. Was yeah, it continues to be yeah. So I just sent you a link. This website, Taylor, is called Unfuck Your Habitat. We haven't talked about this, have we? I remember you talking about something. Oh, maybe I did already talk about it. That celebrated the word fuck at all turns, but I think it was something different. Nice. I think Unfuck Your Habitat deserves a lot of attention. I get it that Marie Kondo sort of appeals to our emotional and spiritual sense of stuff, of having stuff, Mm -hmm. and how those connections can be difficult. But I really find that Unfuck Your Habitat is just more useful to me. For instance, there's all sorts of guides and stuff in this website. But one of the things I think is really good is... There's a chapter called, Why is Marathoning Bad? Marathoning is bad for a few reasons. It's all or nothing, so all is great, but the vast majority of the time, it's nothing, which I think is such a cool, wise way to think about it. It's not sustainable. The good thing about cleaning in short, manageable chunks of time is that you can do it every day without cutting into your life. You can't do that with marathons. And like every every sentence on this website speaks to me. (laughs) It's been really great. And, and I have been really trying to not marathon, like not be like, this is going to be a project. And instead of being like, I have 10 minutes between meetings, I'm going to do this, that, or the third. And it's been really good. Yeah, Nice. Rob, I think you like being 
grabbed by the shoulders and shaken a little bit. <laughs> is that is that fair? I do. Well, I like to grab myself by the shoulders and shake myself a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, whoever the grabber is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm always the grabber. That only means I'm going to disappoint myself, which is worse. <laughs> yeah, I'll check this out. I've definitely had periods over the last, particularly with my family back and forth and so forth, where as a parent, I have this entire day that I could fill with work and getting things done. Yes. It takes a lot of effort to stay productive and not to just stare at the wall because there's so many things that you could do. Yep. You know, for sure. Yeah. Like even right now, I was just checking in on my 3D print that has come loose of the bed. And while Uh-oh. I'm glad I stopped it and didn't waste any more filament, shouldn't I just really be paying attention to you? Be in the moment, dude. You know? Never. I mean, 3D prints, everyone who owns a 3D printer, I'm going to say this is a blanket statement, but I think it's 100% true. If you ever own or operate a 3D printer, you have a new merit badge called latent anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That comes from the process of 3D printing, which is something will probably go wrong over this like eight hour chunk of time. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. What's it going to be? Maybe it won't matter. Like maybe it'll just be like a little burp in your 3D print and like everything will be fine. Or maybe like it will. Go squirrely, you know, and your 3D printing, your 3D print will turn in, what's it called? Bird nesting or something? There's a term for it, right? Where your 3D print goes. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's spaghetti. Yeah. I definitely wasn't ready for that level of, for the latent anxiety merit badge, but I definitely earned it using a 3D printer because I had some sort of technical problems with mine at the jump. It gave me a lot of like, oh, this is stressful. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just, I disassembled mine halfway through today. Oof. And um, yeah, I don't know. I love it and hate it. Rob, I know you've got a heart out in like 90 seconds. Oh, I do. Yeah. What do you want to do with that time? Oh, you know, we should do something that I haven't done in a while, which is we should thank our Patreon supporters. For sure. Thanks for sticking with us through yes. this bizarro time. Yes, for sure. You know, there's been a number of conversations I've had with people about how do we deal. And so I've been doing a lot of thinking about like, what does it mean to create art right now? Like, or like, what does it mean to be a creative person right now? Mm-hmm. I don't have any answers. So if people out there have been thinking about this too, or Taylor, if you have thoughts about this, I don't know. I've just been been in my head. Yeah, I've got, well, I've got a couple, you know, I've made no secret of the fact that I'm a cis white guy. And I have a number of students that I'm noticing coming into school right now. And if you think about the era they're growing up in, like we've been at war since they were born. So there's been like that undercurrent, and then they went from Obama to Trump, and then who knows what's going to happen next, and COVID. And so they've had a lot of trauma. And then I think they're also coming into school, and you know, that they have varied thoughts about gender and uh, sexual identity and all these things. And I think some of them, their response is to get very active about it, you know, and be very, you know, forthright about PGP and all this stuff. And there's also this whole other group that just feels completely bereft Mm -hmm. and they want just happiness and connection and that kind of thing. And they don't want to worry so much. (laughs) And so part of what I've been trying to help them navigate, like some students come into art school and they don't want to make political work and they don't want to make identity work. And then some of them even want to critique things. They want to be not anti-woke, but not in line with classic wokeness. So I've got one student who his family has Cuban background. And he was saying, oh, I was thinking about making work about how he feels that American Cubans are so politically backwards because of a tendency towards conservatism. 
and and he was using other stronger words. <laughs> and so, you know, I was just saying like, okay, well, you know, mm-hmm. me, the sort of says white guy who's rapidly aging out of the contemporary culture leadership discussion. Well, I guess I'm in a weird leadership position, but not in like a making the culture position. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, so just trying to figure out like, how do I help people move forward with these kind of critiques and investigations that are not sort of in line with what our understanding is of correct political thought? I mean, I think that there's horrible stuff going on on the conservative side right now. I think all the things that the liberals, myself included, are trying to do are very Mm well-meaning. But then I've mm -hmm. also got a bunch of 18-year-olds that are like, my God, I just want to think about something else for a little bit. And so it's been fascinating trying to figure out what is responsible artwork and does it even matter? And I think it does if artwork is about making intellectual and emotional connections with other people even if it's not necessarily making an explicit statement that is that aligns with you know the politics of the day uh-huh or something you know <laughs> yeah yeah just to reiterate i think cubans are fine people all of these cultures but yeah it's super interesting when someone says i want your help critiquing a culture that you do not belong to and then you're like ooh <laughs> but I'd much rather be in that position than never never touch anything that's at least a little risky. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that's been in my head is um about art making and about um all of that. And I thought you really articulated the like generational woe that sort of exists for folks who are who are younger than both you and I. One of the things that also occurred to me is the mainstream post apocalyptic film has been canon for that whole time as well. You know, where I think, at least for myself, like that genre felt like an alternative to what was happening before a response to movies like Top Gun or some crap like that. And now you're like, oh, yeah, but like this actually, I don't know, we've just like there's been so much of the like public imagination has been wrapped around this idea of like the post-apocalyptic. And that's been something I've been thinking about. Anyway, I should take off and grab my dog. We'd like to give a shout out to Wesley Ellis, Charlene McBride, Adam Mayer, Deb Chatra, Bondi Hacks, Nick Kantar, Walter Katindu, and David Bellhorn. They're our top Patreon supporters. And if you'd like to join them in our League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you can donate really helps keep us going. Side note, we may have some nuances and interesting things that we want to do with our Patreon later on that we're going to scheme on and we'll, we'll chat about it in mm-hmm. a future episode. Uh, our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. You can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. Taylor, anything for the outro? Got anything going on? Any shout-outs? Um, I'm pretty late to this, but I just started. I watched the first episode of Halt and Catch Fire last night. Have you seen that show? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's great. It's about the birth of desktop computing. Whoa. And this kind of ragtag band of people that are trying to rip off IBM. So that's where the name comes from. Well, supposedly it relates to some kind of coding situation. Yeah. Um, Okay. And it's funny to watch because if, I mean, if you watch the first episode as as a maker that works in this space, there's some sort of funny, like it's clear that the writers aren't super super informed <laughs> about the technical back end yeah yeah but but there's also this thing about people who just really feel the urge to make something big just for the sake of it 
and complicated and difficult and possibly illegal. Uh-huh. And um, that really resonated with me. And I think it would resonate with you too and many people listening. That's really cool. Wow. I have one thing I want to shout out. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play this game, Taylor? It's it's not a new game. Alto's Adventure. I think I just got a copy of it because it was free on uh, Epic Games. Oh, okay. I played it just a little bit of it, yeah. Snowboarding. You're like a mm-hmm. snowboarder. It has this really great kind of Steve Reich soundtracky vibe going on. Mm-hmm. It's my COVID jam, I have to say. Like, it's the game that I've really been drawn to because it's like this simple, amazing, like intense but super chill experience. Mm-hmm. It feels really good. It's just a few bucks. I think it's on any mobile platform. So nice. Yeah, Alpha Adventure. Catch those llamas. <laughs> 